Welcome to the Internet Advisor Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Foster Brown. Along with my co-host, Gary Baker, and our team of experts, we've been helping people like you since 1998 with your computer problems, introducing you to valuable resources, and promoting tech enterprise throughout Michigan. The Internet Advisor is a two-hour podcast recorded every week at the studios of historic WJR Radio in Detroit. Both hours of the show are available each week on this podcast and are streamed to our affiliates across the state of Michigan. We're also proud to be part of Detroit's newest and fastest-growing podcast network, PodcastDetroit.com. And now, here are your hosts with this week's Internet Advisor. And their team of tech experts. The door is always open at internetadvisor.net, on Facebook, and through Twitter. But right now, it's time to get you in touch with your helpful hosts on this week's edition of Internet Advisor. Welcome aboard. Hi, it's Foster Brown, the co-host and producer of the Internet Advisor, here every Saturday from 5 to 7 o'clock, and delighted to be with you. We got the whole crew in here, and today it's going to be Baker to the Rescue Day. That's how I titled the show. We're going to be talking about some of the great things that are going on at Baker College in Flint, stuff they're doing for the community, and some championship cyber defenders they have up there. That's all coming up in this first hour of the Internet Advisor. Once again, welcome to the Internet Advisor. Just the beginning of two hours of our show this afternoon and uh, here on a regular basis all throughout the spring and summer at this time. We're delighted to be able to say that. Gary Baker, Ed Rudell, and Cal Carson, good to have the, the fantastic trio in studio, the three amigos. Uh, actually, four. You're counted well, okay, in that, of yeah, course, yeah, right? I'm kind uh, of a bystander, yeah. actually. You guys are the ones yeah, that made yeah. it after, happen. After 19-plus years, <laughs> I told this to somebody earlier today. I said, well, Foster had really started out as the announcer yeah. and the guy that always asked the tough questions. <laughs> well, now he's got to answer some of those, yeah. and, he, and he can. You've been, you know, for the last 19 and a half years, you've learned a ton. Uh, an awful lot. You learn just like the rest of us, right, uh, Ed and Cal? Uh, the, the way we know how to get out of these problems is we got into them first and, and then had to figure out and how Foster's to And Foster's really good at getting into them. <laughs> <laughs> Ed, be kind. And then, Ed, was it uh, six, six, seven years ago that I got on the Mac platform? Oh, well, you know, you finally saw some light. <laughs> well, we sh- well, sometime we'll no, talk remember, about that. Remember, once again, like I say, the Mac is not perfect. It just looks like that next to a PC. <laughs> What you said. <laughs> hey, guys, some interesting things have been going on this week. I, mean, I just saw an article this week that's kind of discouraging, and maybe we can talk about it with our guests uh, from Baker College coming up in just a minute. But it says that the ransomware has tripled in cost from last year. So 300 to 900 uh, it's, it's somewhere, it's now about $1,000, so it was a little over $300 wow. uh, last year, on, on average. Talk about a crazed concept. I am going to trust paying somebody money who already has defamed me or, or, or did something bad to me. You know, I say, hey, you know, it, it would have to be some data that was extremely valuable to me to even take a chance on that. And it would have to be data that I had not backed up. Of course. And that is the bottom line to it, guys. Yeah, yeah. multiple backups yeah. are what you need. And if you have critical things... You have to do that. Right. Uh, it, it's just like the the story about, uh, I think it was the coach from U of M who uh, 
they've had they, they they had these pictures of their their lovely child, unfortunately, that passed away. Oh yeah, on a hard drive, someone broke into their house, stole the computers. Luckily, the thief finally you know succumbed and, and gave the the computers back. Oh, okay. so they could get it, but they didn't have a backup. Well, they of yeah. it did. It was on the hard drive sitting right next to the computer. They oh, took it off. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, when you, you know, think about it, where's yours? Mine's sitting next to the computer. Well, I have multiple. Yeah, mine's in the cloud as well, well as and, I, and mine is in the cloud. And yeah. I know yours is too yeah. as do well. You have, you, do you put yours in the cloud, Ed? I put mine in a fire safe. Oh, okay. Okay. So. Okay. That's different than the cloud. You know a what? A little bit different. Well, I have some things in the cloud and yeah. some things over, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much uh, data when your wife takes a gazillion photos, <laughs> you know, and you fill up the, those terabyte hard drives really quick. But yeah. even if you don't store it in the cloud, you have to store it in multiple places. Right. Yeah. Because it, just by sitting it beside the computer, it's nice, it's warm, it's a fuzzy, but if the whole house goes up in or, flames. Or the thieves come in and break. Or the thieves come and in and take it. Everything. Or whatever it is. You have to have it in multiple locations for security. Foster, you and I were talking about uh, there is now the Alexi look. Oh, the, <laughs> yes. It's what the, is, Amazon has come up with some, a device called the Alexa look. Yeah, it's got a camera. Now, why do you it's need got, that? Oh, you... I don't. I don't have it in front of me, but it's incredible. Apparently, this is for people who have not had enough selfies. They now have to have their full body uh, taken a picture of. So and it's it's really for fashion, though. It it's says, for fashion, yes. So how do I look? Uh, you know, yeah. oh, you've been wearing that outfit too many times. <laughs> right. um, does this outfit make me look fat? Type of thing. <laughs> I mean. That wasn't in the ad. It so wasn't I, in the ad? Oh, but okay. it may be the only time that a wife can ask something, that that kind of a question, and the husband not die from the answer. <laughs> good, I cannot imagine. I mean, with the obesity rate, <laughs> uh, what it is in the United States, I just can't see this flying. <laughs> well, I don't I mean, know. Who, it depends on whether they're installing with wide-angle lenses. <laughs> Fisheye lens. You know, it gives a whole new meaning to those filters, those trim and, trim and thin filters they can add. Oh, that's that. right. That's what you need. Yeah. Yeah, but what, really what, what keeps people from hacking those cameras and just enjoying the show, though? Well, that is a very yeah. good question. That's a very good question. Yeah, if you're looking at it, you may there may be somebody else who's peeking in, or if you inadvertently forget to turn the camera off, or forget that the camera's on, and you're you're making that trip from you know the uh, shower to the closet to put on your clothes. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be a good thing. Yeah, but but maybe in many households, it's probably not a good thing for the. Voyager and not the Voyagey. Yeah. But uh, it's like, ooh, dude, I want, really want to see that. Yeah, you're in the house, you get it in 3D. You, the issue once before, I think when, wasn't it when, when uh, the Echo first came out and uh, what is the other device that's out now? Um, anyway, these, that are constantly listening. Yes. The concern yeah. was that it was constantly on was the other, yeah. and, yep. and constantly yeah. listening. Now with this thing looking, yep. it's constantly looking. Well, there was a, uh, um, a, uh, was it a fatality in the house? And they actually oh. wanted to, um, they subpoenaed Google for the information. It's like, we want to find out what noise was going on in the house at this particular time. Mm. And Google is basically saying, we don't store that information. If it's not addressed to us, we just discard it. It's not like there's a cache of this information. You'd have to actually get physical access to the device. So that, then they put out a warrant for it and said, we want you to, to extract the the last information on this on this uh, mm. device, and and wow. even then, it really wasn't very useful at all to right. the case. Mm. And they don't have a way to store it or to use it 
Um, so why store it? Oh, it, can you imagine the, the petabytes of information that would have to be stored? And, well, and that's not very good information. No, no, it's just, yeah, it's just kind of a constant. Well, that, but if you think about it, it's like, Alexi, can you turn on the lights? Alexi, could you turn off the lights or right. play this music? And it's just, I'm... You know, I'm just throwing sure, that out there. Sure. But after a while, patterns start arriving. And pretty soon, it's like every Thursday night, you know, every night of the week, they ask me to turn the lights on on Thursday night or on every night of the week, except mm-hmm. Thursday. Where are they from, you know, 7 o'clock to 11 o'clock? Somebody They're not be, here. Yeah, somebody so could be observing someone can patterns. look at the trend analysis if yeah. they retrieve this information and say, no one's home. Yeah, you yeah. You know, I'm sorry. I mean, how safe is my information out there? Or it could go the other way. They just want to be quiet and private on that once a night a week. But somebody's observing that and taking note of it. That would be yeah. a concern. Apparently, that's that's being dealt with right now. But anyway, <laughs> look out. Look maybe over your shoulder. <laughs> hey, coming up in just a minute, we're going to talk about uh, the great work that's being done at Baker College in Flint in information technology. Stand by for that. Welcome back. It's the Internet Advisor, Foster Brown, Gary Baker, Edward L. Cal Carson with us here. Eric Dorch is our engineer. Thank you, Eric, by the way, for handling the uh, wheel behind there. And uh, if you've gone to our website, internetadvisor.net, you may have uh, clicked off to the the program for today. It says, Baker to the Rescue. And uh, underneath that is a picture of a young woman and the statement, the future belongs to those who prepare for it. Prepare yourself. And I think that may be one of the models for the uh, Baker College Flint campus. With us right now uh, is somebody who is very much involved in preparing young minds for the field of information technology. And that is uh, Doug Witten, who is with us. He is the Director of Cyber Defense and Computer Science and Computer Information Systems at Baker College Flint's campus. Doug, thank you so much for being here. Pleasure being here. There you got it. I'm delighted to have you with us, and also with you as well is somebody who's been part of your great cyber defense team, and that's Greg Kempf, who's one of the students there. You can share the microphone, just lean in towards it. Oh, okay. You're going to put it on your mic? Oh, that's generous. All right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Greg, I'm glad to have you with us. Now, uh, let's just talk a little bit about um, a couple of things that have been going on because there's so much going on in Flint right now. You folks was back in December, am I right, Doug? Put on the first Fix-It event. Yep. yep. And that was essentially free, open to the community. Greg, for two days, was it? It was two days, yep. Two days it was on. And your team, the cyber defense team, were the people who were sitting there for those two days helping people from the community with their computers, right? Yep, that's correct. And free for nothing, I understand. Yep. You know, when we when we set this up, we had no idea if we were going to have 10 people show up or 50. Well, we had 150. Oh, wow. <laughs> 150 that we actually helped. Yep. And uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the PCs are, were unhelpable or unsolvable. Mm-hmm. Um, but we fixed 250 PCs. And, and you were helping. As a matter of fact, I understand you were able to help to recycle responsibly we did. the ones that we did, worked. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. But it was cool to give something back to the community. That is really cool. So, how did pe- how did people sign up for this? Because you got another one coming up. Well, I want, pe- and that's part of the reason we're here to talk about it today. Is that in the Flint area, coming up later on the month, near the end of the month, you're going to be holding a second one of these things. Yep, yep. The twenty first of May. How do you? How do people sign up for a grade? Or Doug, he wants a jump ball. Um, the first one was mainly word of mouth, and wow. anyone could come in and fill out a contract, basically that said. If we fix your computer, it's free to you. You have the option of donating. Um, or uh, I believe we had some people call in and ask for um, 
ask if they could drop off computers. Right. Mm, okay. So did you actually work like our guys here, hands on with it, with the person who was bringing mm-hmm. the computer in? Yep. Uh, we diagnosed their problems. We talked to them about what the issue was, so that we could better get an idea of, um, you know, what we had to do to fix it. What were some of the big problems that they brought in? Any? Well, uh, malware and the viruses were probably the biggest ones. Yeah, a lot ones. of a yeah. lot of people had no idea that they had infections. Really? Yeah, and we uh, we used a lot of uh, free programs sure, sure. because it was a free event. Um, like a vast malware bytes, just free stuff that works just as well as the the paid stuff. Oh, absolutely! Right? You've used one of our this yep. one of our favorites, malware bytes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yep. the thing the thing with that, and I'm surprised that you were able to uh, uh, fix 250 or, or pass through yeah. 250 mm-hmm. devices because those scans can can sometimes take yeah. an hour each at yep. least. And uh, so you'd probably have several of them going at the same time, oh I would gosh. imagine. Yeah, everyone had three or four PCs at once. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, were people sticking around then to see what happened? Or Some people did. Um, otherwise, others, they could drop it off. Yeah, others dropped it off and left and came back when they when it was ready. So, Doug, what's going to happen now with the one coming up on May 21st? Well, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, it's a free event. Uh, people can donate to the Cyber Defense Club. So we're obviously taking funds for that. But um, they can drop off their PC. Right, uh, but they also have to sign a contract for. All right, so here's what's wrong with it. Here's okay. our phone number, right, or their phone number to get back with them. Right. Um, so what are the symptoms? Right, just like any. Yep. Well, yep. You know what? What is it doing, or what is it not doing? Right. And so many times we'll get email, and they'll give us that much, but yeah. without them on the phone, that's why it's so important for people that call into the show live. Mm-hmm. We can ask them a series of questions, yeah. right? And exactly. That, and that helps. So when they drop it off, yeah, yeah. it's hard. What's wrong with it? Well, it won't boot. Well, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> and then and then what? And yeah, then what? right. And then what? Right. What was it doing before that? Yeah. Greg, I'm kind of curious. What kind of experiences did you and your fellow members of the defense team get out of? What did they? What did you take out of this? Well, we got a lot of um, interpersonal experience. A lot of people in the uh, in the tech field don't have maybe the <laughs> interpersonal skills that they should. What? Um, <laughs> you yeah, couldn't you, judge you, that from our two guys. <laughs> no, yeah, you'd be surprised. Kel and I are the exception. I mean, yeah. that's oh. why we get paid the big bucks, right? <laughs> so they learned um, basically how to talk to customers and um, how, to, how to get the information that they needed. Ah. Um, and t- if, if there was a problem that we couldn't fix, yep. they had to go about it telling them in a way that didn't like <laughs> put them make them the, angry. Yeah, or put them on host. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean Windows 98 doesn't work? <laughs> Funny story. We actually had a Windows ME computer come in. Oh, my. Really? Yep. Oh, my. Yep. Really? Yep. And and the the students that were working on them actually had heard of ME before? Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. We were all like, whoa, what is this? No. Doug, it must have been like a history class for your yeah. students. Yeah. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> ME, God, that was before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's, for the sake of people who are listening right now, and I, I didn't have a, a contact number or, or website, what should we use give people for this next event that's coming up may 21st doug witten what how can people who are listening right now in the flint area what's it uh get in touch www.baker.edu so there'll be a link if it's i believe it's already up but if not it will be up okay baker.edu if you're in the flint area or i guess can get up there anywhere anywhere yeah if you can get up there and it's going to be on campus though right yeah we had several people that came from you know way up in the middle of michigan you know houghton lake Guy said, I, I heard about you guys on the radio, and 
Wow. I came I drove an hour and a half and wanted to say hi. Well, you know when you think about it and and I will tell you that I did as a matter of full, full disclosure, uh Richard Bush, your dean, mm-hmm. who's been yep. there a year. We yes. got to wish him a ha- uh, yeah. happy anniversary. Yep. Uh invited me to join the advisory board. Yeah. Um and I I knew that Baker College was bigger than what I probably and what most people probably thought. I had no idea it had 22,000 students. Yeah. And all over the state. That's, That's a, kind of stunned me ama- when I saw it's the locations. amazing how, how many, many locations are there for? How many campuses are yeah, there? Yeah, I think there's nine, nine. campuses. Yep. Yeah. Nine campuses. In, yeah, incredible. And, 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 what, online. and what's interesting is because there's already a Baker University somewhere else and a something something Baker yep. University also, they've decided that while they qualify as a university, right. they give advanced degrees, masters and PhDs, oh. um, they've decided not to change the name. So it's a really, really, a, a, really a well-guarded secret yeah. about how, um, not only how many students there are, but all of the different majors and disciplines that they have within the university now called Baker College. <laughs> I, you know, and I have a logo that I put on our website here that established in 1911. Yep. Uh, I had no idea that it had yeah. been around that yeah. long. Yeah, our motto is our football team's undefeated since 1911. <laughs> yes. What about the cyber team? Has that been undefeated? Uh, no, actually. we. Yeah. My first year, which was three years ago, we lost at States. But um, these past two years, 2016 and 2017, we've uh, placed first at states and gone on to regionals. Cool. Now, Very what cool. you're talking about, to be clarified on that, uh, Greg, your cyber defense team participated in the State Collegiate Cyber Defense Network. That was competition that yes. went on, right? Yep. And that's the one that you've taken first two years in a row. That, yeah, correct. Pretty good. What mm-hmm. were some of the other teams that were participating? Um, there L- was... Little schools like U of M. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Michigan <laughs> State. <laughs> Eastern Michigan. Mm-hmm. Da- Davenport. Da- 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 what was it about your team that, that made it stand out so? You know, it's really a kind of a David and Goliath thing. We are such a small school. Uh, how do we compete with people who have resources 20 times the size of we do? Sure. Small school. <laughs> well, our, our Baker Flint campus, uh, you know, only has a couple thousand people. We yeah. In our program, we have less than 200. Yeah, because mm. you are spread right? out. That is we, true. You're spread you out. You know, for right. our Baker Flint, if you combine all three, we have less than 200 students. And when we were doing the regionals, we went against DePaul University. Mm-hmm. They had over 1,000. Wow. <laughs> right? Yeah. Just computer science. Yeah, yeah. yeah right? Just... They have a lot bigger pool to pick from. That's the true. only way that we can compete is we have to outwork them. Yeah. It's plain and simple. Yeah. And that's the Michigan motto, isn't yeah. it? Right? <laughs> we do. We, do, we outwork them. Yeah. They're, tra- they're training have. today for the competition that starts in February. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Now, by the way, we should mention that uh, your team then went on from there to the regional competition, which took place in Chicago in... Uh, the 1st of April. The 1st of April. Mm-hmm. And uh, you placed pretty well there. Where, where'd you come in, Greg? Uh, we came in fourth out of, I think there were 11 teams. Yep. And this is a regional one, so this yes. is taking place. So They're drawing states, from, the these end. were the winners from how many states then? For about nine states. Nine from states. nine yep. different states. And you guys placed ni- fourth in that. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot to be proud of. You know, we're going to be taking a break in just a moment, and we'll be bringing on board here somebody who is very much involved in this as well, and that's Dr. Richard Bush. Uh, Gary, you've mentioned his name a number of times, but I want to find out more about the cyber defense team in particular, what's made that such a sharp team up there. But again, folks, if you're interested in getting involved in this May 21st 
computer fixit event that's going to be taking place in Flint. It go to baker.edu and you'll find a link there for more information. You can sign up there. And uh, we're going to be coming back pretty soon. Excuse me, in just a moment to talk about uh, some of the other great programs that are going on there. Matter of fact, I see that Baker College Muskegon IT program has something special coming up. And that's going to be a Girls in ICT Day that's going to be coming up uh, pretty soon as well. Uh, We'll be back in just a moment to continue the story about Baker College and some great work that they're doing in the cyber defense area. Might call this uh, National Baker Day here on WJR. Internet Advisor with Gary Baker, my colleague, as well as Edward Dell and Cal Carson. And uh, we also have in studio with us Doug Whitten, who is a director of the Cyber Defense and uh, Computer Science programs at Baker College Flint Campus. And one of the students up there, Greg Kempf, who has been a member of two championship teams in the state level here. And also was involved in uh, taking a fourth place on a regional level. And uh, that was in 2017. Remember, right? Okay, yeah. All right, very good. But that's not the only awards that uh, Baker College has won with their cyber defense team. Uh, You won some national awards, too. We've won five state championships and two national championships. And the national championships were back-to-back? We're the only school that's a college to ever win one. And up until a few years ago, the only school that's ever won two. University of Central Florida was a three-time defending champ until they got knocked off this year. Okay. I, I, you know, I asked you about your secret before. I mean, uh, I don't know. Is this? Uh, uh, are there any secrets that you hold in a vault someplace? About how you know you guys what? It's, it's really hard work. It's just... You know, the, the only way that we can compete with, with these, you know, big, big, big programs is we have students that have passion. Mm-hmm. Right, mm. people that that come in and, and live, eat, and breathe this stuff. You know, uh, here's an example. A couple weeks before the competition, we had kids staying in the competition room. I'm literally sleeping there. <laughs> so they're getting used to their careers when they get right. <laughs> okay, I get it. Exactly. So, what type of uh, uh, software languages do do the students have to know to become good at this? Uh, they have to know the operating systems. They have to know the networks. Okay. So a lot of them are network penetration hacks. They have to, they have to be absolute experts in either Linux or Unix. Okay. And then an actual experts for the network. There's eight people on a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they each specialize in a specific area. Oh, wow, I see. That's what Does this uh, encompass also mobile applications like Android and iOS? It, they do, well, they, they do in IoT devices this past time, but not, not typically. But you have an out, like one of these competitions, you have um, a variety of stuff, all the different Windows platforms, the Unix stuff, like, you would, like you'd mm-hmm. see in a real business, mm-hmm. email server, web server, FTP site, mm-hmm. right? All, you know, Active Directory. You've got an hour to protect them. They are oh. already all booby-trapped, okay? <laughs> After that hour is up, there's a team of professional hackers trying to break into you. Wow. Right? So your job is to keep them out. And while all this is going on, you have a multitude of changes. I mean, fast and furious. Take, take your Active Directory and put it over, you know, on the Unix side, you know, with an LDAP. You know, mm-hmm. big changes. I spent a lot of years in the government that would have taken us weeks, if not months. You've got 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to bring somebody else. I'm going to bring somebody else yep. into the conversation here, and that's Dr. Richard Bush, who is the dean of the College of Information Technology uh, for the Baker College, and that is uh, across the system. Gary, you, uh, this is somebody that you have uh, recently become very familiar with. That's right. Uh, welcome, Richard. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, everyone. It's a Thank- pleasure to be here. 
Yeah, you must you must be feeling a little bit proud here with your uh, your guys on on WJR and hearing the kind of things that they're talking about having accomplished. I, I'm sitting here with a, a Cheshire grin on my face. <laughs> <laughs> the accolades and the hard work that uh, uh, Doug and all of those students and uh, have put together and, and bring some of the titles home. It's it's exciting to see what our students are capable of and the dedication and commitment they put into these programs. Um, it's, it's just, I, I, you know, I feel like a proud papa in many ways, but, uh, <laughs> Harry, it's, it's Doug and, uh, and, uh, the rest of them that have done the real work and it's kind of fun. Well, Dean Bush, this is your, uh, I think you just finished your first year. So happy anniversary. Thank you. It is, uh, it's been a great year, a uh, whole lot of opportunity and challenge and, and, uh, change and all of it for the better, uh, Baker is really, uh, not only making its mark in terms of cybersecurity, but I think uh, setting the pace for quality across the spectrum of information technology and computer science. Dr. Bush, this uh, uh, I think that Doug was mentioning that it was in 2008 and 2009 that you won the national. Yeah. So this has been going on for a while. Your emphasis on, yeah. on computers and computer technology has been going on for a while at Baker. Yes, for a very long time. Well, and the interesting part is you've taken a great program and added an, a huge um, number of other dimensions, really. Yeah. You know, the the whole advisory board, which you, uh, thank you for inviting me to join, uh, but to get to the businesses a little bit more and really establish kind of that, that school-to-work kind of attitude there at Baker and with all the businesses that partner with Baker. It, it's, uh, it was a, a, a really fun project for me coming into Baker College to create the regional advisory boards. Um, and expand them into our communities to really get the, the pulse of our local businesses throughout the state. As you might imagine, what we feel we need and understand in, in uh, southeastern Michigan is very different than what we need um, along the western side of the, the state. Mm-hmm. And balancing that out so that we can ensure that our graduates are leaving our programs strong enough to, to be marketable in any market within Michigan, let alone any place else, I think in the country, is uh, is a challenge. And I have to thank you, Gary, and and all the others who have been on our vi- advisory board for helping me balance that and giving me an opportunity to uh, take that information and then look back and find ways for continuous improvement across our program. You know, Dr. Bush, I'm kind of uh, impressed with uh, a note that I have in front of me is that uh, Baker College in Muskegon. Uh, the IT program director out there is coordinating Girls in IT Day coming up, apparently this coming week, to pursue, per, excuse me, to encourage young women to pursue careers in IT. And um, you know, so it, it that's something near and dear to our heart has mm-hmm. been for many many years. Uh, getting young women involved in IT as well. That actually took place this past Thursday. Oh, did uh, it? I'm sorry, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. No, that, that's perfectly fine. Thursday was actually the International Women in ICT Day, ah. and uh, Baker College of Muskegon put together with Mark Verhoeven's um, uh, leadership, put together uh, an ex- excellent event. Uh, you'll be seeing some more information and some pictures and some videos coming out about that in the very near future. Uh, 60 girls attended. We were shooting for 40. Um, we, <laughs> we, are, we had a little bit of a stretch there, and it was wonderful. The sponsorships by the local organizations and businesses, um, just unbelievable how much uh, help they gave us in terms of putting it on and then providing volunteers to help us put that together. Um, 
I was there. I helped kick it off with uh, that group. Uh, and I'll, I tell you, I, I was very impressed. And women in, in technology is a very near and dear passion of mine as well. I think that uh, they're, they're grossly underrepresented. And um, we, we need to do something to help them realize the opportunities and the potential that they have and what they can bring to the table in terms of creativity mm-hmm. and innovation. And, and it's, it's events like this that are a whole lot of fun and uh, give us that opportunity. Well, I think, Bob Bush, you know that uh, Greg Kempf is in studio with us as a student at your, uh, at your Flint campus. So, Greg, what are you going to do to get more women into the team? I, I didn't see many women on that team. <laughs> well, we've got one who is yes. on a uh, cabinet position in the club, actually, oh. right now. So. Um, she's the only one that we have in the club, but mm-hmm. we'd love to have more women to uh What do you think it'll take, Greg, to, to get young women uh, involved in it? Um, I think it's, it's IT has been portrayed as kind of a, a man's job throughout mm. the years. And I, I don't know. I think it's it's just making it making them realize that it's not just a man's job, that okay. they can do it too. Yeah, you're going to have to evangelize that, I yeah. think, as yeah. Right? Well, and you know, the interesting thing that I think uh, Baker has done a- as good and maybe even better than uh, than anybody, which is reaching out to the business community and the business yeah. pull, because the business, you know, many of the businesses that I've been involved in and, or talked to have said, gee, we need better graduates, but they don't know how to plug in. And I think... Um, Dr. Bush, that that was kind of one of the reasons putting together the advisory board that you did was to help give the businesses a voice into what kind of skills are needed and to go help train them mm. and to be that conduit to help get the graduates of Baker College out into the workplace as easily as possible with the knowledge that's that's valued. And uh, my hat's off to you guys for uh, for really making that happen. I think that that's also needed and as women realize that that again it's a way it's a conduit out into a job oh yeah and a good well-paying job right in cybersecurity, uh i think that that's going to help as well doug, doug Whitten, I, as a professor at uh, in flint at you know and, and teaching mm-hmm. uh computer science there uh have you had companies there in the flint area who have been working with you to you know for internships for instance oh, for students like greg and some other people I, I just this past uh, let's see two weeks I've had four different employers. Hey, can you give me some resumes? Mm. Resumes of folks. I need I need people. Yeah. Uh, so obviously we're happy to happy to give them. But and thankfully they know your name and know how yeah. to get a hold of you. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. So are you going to be doing anything in the near future? I know you guys are you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're pretty well established with all these wins that you've been doing, but with uh, uh, young people like high school. Uh, children, stuff like that, are trying to go into STEM and stuff like that. What sort of directions you guys got planned for them? We did. We did a uh, uh, camp last summer that was for kids from sixth grade to seniors. Oh, uh, good! And I did a hacking seminar. Oh, uh, oh they got to be. That's yeah, fun. Yeah, you, know, light, gotta... <laughs> yeah, you could see their eyes kind of light up. <laughs> uh, we did. A, we did a, a week of programming. Uh, we did. A, we did a week of. Um, you know, fixing an operating system or installing an operating system, virtual environments, mm, and get them cool. a, and get them a flare. And it was probably fifty-fifty with with guys and gals. Did yeah. I understand you got a hackathon coming up? We uh, do. We've got a couple of them. That I we're did, Greg, be... you have to have a white hat, black hat yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, the, the people who can actually hack, right? If because it's a rare skill, but it, it oh. they know 
what the what the hacker is thinking about. In other right. words, it, it's better to defend when you know the thoughts of somebody that's actually trying to break in. Oh, absolutely, in. yeah. Right? It, it's a whole other paradigm. So... So we've had Kevin Mitnick on uh, the show a number of times, who is you know one of the more famous hackers yeah. early on, certainly. Right. And uh, it's funny because he now has a white hat hacking company, and they hire him because oh you 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 know you used to be the black hat guy, so uh, you probably know what they think, and uh, so you're right. Greg, have you worked on some of that uh, on the hacking end of it? Um, yeah, I uh, right now I'm in one of Doug's classes. Um, we're working on breaking into our own systems that we set up. Mm, I see. Okay. Um, so we we've got um, our attack boxes, which are just um, freely available Linux operating systems, mm -hmm. and we attack um, pre-set up um, mm -hmm. systems that that Doug has given us. I got you. And um, that's been good experience. Uh, oh, cool. On the offense side of the team, I'm not too involved in that. Okay, but so you're more on the defense. Yes, I right. do. Um, take that into account when defending. <laughs> I bet you do. Dr. Bush, thank you so much. Again, Dr. Richard Bush, Dean of the College of Information Technology at Baker College. Congratulations on the work that you've done and on these great winning teams here. If you will, my, my English mother used to say the proof of the pudding is in the eating, and you certainly have developed that. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having us. And we'll be back in just a minute with MI Tech News Headlines at Mike Brennan. It's that time of the program to take a look at some of the headlines of what's been going on in technology and uh, entrepreneurship in the state of Michigan with Mr. Mike Brennan, the editor of MI Tech News. Mike, good weekend to you. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, Foster. Thank you for being with us here. MI Tech News, by the way, folks, is a great way to keep up with what's going on in technology and entrepreneurship, as I said, in our state. Mike has been reporting on information technology for a long time. And, a long time. Yeah, now has <laughs> developed a great resource. Uh, it's not just uh, print headlines, but you can also get video. And as a matter of fact, I watch a, a great little clip that you developed with Jan Ness, our friend from online technology for many years. And then yep. also audio is available as well. Our program highlights and that from IT and the D and many other sources as well. Mike, let's look a little bit at some of the headlines that you've got going on there. Uh, one I saw is kind of interesting. We, we've been talking with the, the folks from Baker College in Flint, but I see one of your headlines is that IT Career Academy is launching in the Flint area with the support of IT and the D. MEDC and Goodwill Industries. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's online training. Uh, it's available in the Flint area. Uh, they're still working out all the details, uh, but it's a great partnership. Uh, it also includes uh, folks from the Flint and Genesee Chambers of Commerce. And like everything else, everyone's trying to figure out, gee, how do we get more people trained for these, uh, these all these STEM openings, science, mm -hmm. technology, engineering, and math. And I was listening to your segment with Baker College, and I know they're addressing that as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really a critical, critical issue right now for everyone, not uh, everyone in the country for that matter. I mean, there's just so many jobs begging right now. We just don't have the people to, with those talents to fill them. So anything that, that, you know, fills that gap is a really good thing. Yep, absolutely. And, of course, it comes from IT. It was really, this was all driven by Bob and Dave. You know, oh, yeah. there are a couple of goofballs on their show <laughs> on Monday night and everything. But uh, they're actually pretty good guys, and uh, they're really, you know, they started off with those pink slip parties mm -hmm. a decade or so ago, mm -hmm. back during the Depression. And <laughs> so they're really active in this area of trying to come up with ways to uh, help people get jobs. Yep. 
Yep, a great, uh, great couple of guys. Uh, both. Oh, well, actually, you and Gary and I have all been on the show with them. Uh, they're very committed to helping people get into this field. Okay, another one is uh, apparently FCA is ready to sell Jeep and Ram. Is that could that be true? Well, I, I like to claim credit for this, but it calls, comes from Paul Eisenstein from the Detroit Bureau, who's much more plugged into the auto scene than I am these days. But yes, uh, he asked uh, Sergio Marcion uh, point blank, uh, and uh, the single word answer was yes, both mm. Jeep and Ram are, well, they're available. So uh, oh. now what we don't know is exactly well, what's going to become of FCA after that. What happens to the rest of the Chrysler and whatnot? Uh, that was it. We didn't get any one word or two word answers there. <laughs> but, but we do know that uh, somehow Ram and Jeep don't, don't fit into the master plan. And, of course, Jeep has this big operation in Toledo. Yes. And uh, Ram trucks, I believe, are built in the Detroit area. Uh, mm-hmm. So everyone's kind of curious to know what's next. Cal, you, you know, had that, a question? That comes out to be really kind of interesting, uh, if we can expand on that, because at one time uh, the talk was Chrysler was going to get out of the uh, domestic car market completely in the United States. Mm. And only retain trucks and SUVs. Uh, so this is a, a, a turn, eh? Well, they flip flop. I mean, I guess uh, they're looking at whatever their internal numbers are showing and trends and whatnot. And but again, we don't know what the big picture is. We don't yeah. know. Okay, so if they dump this, where are they going from here? Yeah. Those are I don't I- know that. those certainly are iconic brands in this area. Well, and it's certainly something that you could sell because they do so well. Oh right? yeah, you you don't yeah. sell your dogs, you sell you know something right. that brings in some money. So. The certainly. only problem with that is I think that the only buyers would not be uh, they'd be overseas buyers as you know as like in the uh, situation with Volvo yeah. was picked mm-hmm. up by China. Yeah, very interesting to watch how this develops. Another headline here is Lawrence Technological University is placing five teams in the SAE international competitions. Yeah, we had, uh, and I'm not gonna, probably going to butcher her name, Celine Arcean, an assistant professor at LTU, was on uh, M-Squared TechCast uh, about a week ago, mm-hmm. as you know, because you edit those. So, uh, <laughs> um, so you know all about what we're up to. And so they've got five teams competing in SAE International, and I really wasn't all that familiar with it prior to this. Now, obviously, Matt being the head of PR for LTU, was a bit more familiar. But there's this big LTU Blue Devil Motorsports racing team, Uh and they have all sorts of different experimental vehicles and different classifications. But it's almost mandatory that everybody that attends LTU get involved in this uh, so they have hands-on experience, practical engineering experience. And, uh, heck, we're in Detroit, so what better, you know, hands-on experience and experimental vehicles, right? Yeah, absolutely, and that's more and more so the case in this area. Mike Brennan, by the way, is the editor of MI Tech News, where some of the headlines we've been talking about here. Mike, how can people get involved with and get a copy of and get those headlines sent to them? Well, just simply www.mitechnews.com. Sign up. We have two newsletters, one in the middle of the week, uh, which which features our video and audio. And then uh, the the Friday one is a nice weekend read where we have all the major stories. You can peruse Mm -hmm. it at your leisure over the weekend. And I I track my statistics, and a lot of people do that. Um, And uh, it's real simple. And And, of course, it's free. And that's... that's the bottom line cost. Yeah, the sponsors pay for it. And they are, yeah. thank heavens. Mike, thanks thank so much for being with us, and uh, thanks for these headlines this week with MI Tech News.
All right, thanks, Russ. Take talk to care. You later. Mr. Mike Brennan, the editor of MI Tech News. I want to make sure we stop back, and uh, Doug Witten is with us here, the director of cyber defense and computer sciences at Baker College Flint, and also with him is Greg Kemp, one of the students who's a member of the championship cyber defense team there. Greg, uh, Doug, rather, before you take off, uh, I want to make sure we, we tell people that coming up on the 21st of this month in Flint is going to be the second Fix-It event. Yep. Cost absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And it takes place on campus. Yep. Yep, on campus. So if you have a if you have a PC that's having problems, we'd be more than happy to look at it and take care of it. Macs as well? We would do Mac. We're not <laughs> specializing in Macs, but we uh, we would take a look. There's no problems with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, God. <laughs> Wish that were true. The war has begun. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's going to be the 21st. It costs nothing, folks. Yep. Again, uh, you can look for more details to develop. They'll be developing during the month on at baker.edu. You'll be able to go in there. And I will, po- as I have that information, I will post it on our Facebook site, and we'll also uh, post it uh, on our website right now. Uh one of the things I want to touch on with you before we went, mm-hmm. uh, we, we say goodbye, is you mentioned that you are not only involved in cyber defense, but also offense. Exactly. You know, the, the, it's the real paradigm. It sounds like, you know, an ethical hacker. It sounds like a, you know, a good thief. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of an oxymoron, but who better to protect a system than somebody knows how to actually break in, Right. The kind of the tricks of the trade of, of how somebody would actually exploit a system. Mm-hmm. So that's what really what a hack is. A hack is nothing more than finding a vulnerability, tailoring attack to that very specific thing, and then you know figuring out what, what how they can how slash what they can do with it. How long have you been doing this uh, ethical hacking? Uh, I've been doing it for quite a few years. I've been in IT all my life. Mm-hmm. So I've been in cyber defense for a lot of years, uh, a lot of years in the government. Um, but it, it, being a, being back at Baker um, for the last, well, full time now for coming up on two years. Mm-hmm. So ha- have your insights into ethical hacking come from having <laughs> weathered the storm? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a site that I used to manage, a uh, little site called Michigan.gov <laughs> uh, for the state. Uh, and, and at the time when I was still working on it, we averaged 10,000 hacks a day. Is, is wow. That's a... That's a target of some sort. <laughs> Anything with a .gov after it yeah, is a target. Exactly. Yeah. You know, people wow. love to hack the government. Ten thousand a day. A day. It, would you imagine that was how long ago? Oh, uh, two thousand what eleven? Uh, would you imagine that's increased since oh, then? Uh, exponentially. And are we getting better at protecting ourselves? I guess is the question. Yeah, absolutely. And th- and that's the key. But stay one step above. You know, a lot of the you know the antivirus stuff. That's not going to stop some of these hackers because these are these are new things that they haven't developed a defense for. So, so what they call it zero day uh, kind of mm-hmm. exploits yep. that are going on. Yep, absolutely. You know, he was mentioning ransomware. Uh, oh yes, that's I, huge. That is huge right now. Oh yeah. And I think it, you said it tripled in, in yes, cost. just the costs of it have tripled to right. about a, an average of a thousand dollars a percent. And yeah. the most vulnerable part of any computer system, right? Is mm-hmm. the users yeah, exactly? And how exactly. do we how do we make them aware of some of the problems? You know, security awareness. People say, "Oh, I, I wouldn't do that," yeah. but yet they do. They click on things they shouldn't. Right. And they so is there a silver bullet there, or what? <laughs> you, you know, one of the big, one of the biggest things, and, and it's and it sounds so innocuous, is a password. Yeah. You know, your password can. All right, so most people have a password that's related to their person. Mm-hmm. All right, a pet. 
uh, high school they went to. Birth date. Birth date, absolutely. Kids, kids' birthdays, mm. anniversaries, uh, school mascots. There's, there's a script that you can run. Okay? I know because I've done it. And you can, it's called social engineering, right? Mm-hmm. right? Find out as much as you can about a target. Run the script that basically takes all those words, mm. attacks or attaches zeros, ones, whatever to it, mm-hmm. and then goes in and finds the password. Right. Wow. All right. So with nine with nine pieces of data, it generates ten or twenty thousand different possibilities, and that'll run in twenty seconds. Go. Oh. Scary. And hack a password. It's that easy to be done. Oh, Doug Whitten, thank you so much yes. for being here. Director Pleasure. of Cyber Defense and Computer Science at Baker College. And Greg Kemp, thank you so much. And well. congratulations to you on the team. Thank you. You're listening to a podcast of the Internet Advisor Show. To see the show notes for this program, visit our homepage, theinternetadvisor.net. You'll discover past podcasts, our free toolkit with software to clean up your computer and keep it running strong, and many other resources. You'll also find links to MITechnews.com, our co-sponsored weekly tech and entrepreneur newsletter, edited by Mike Brennan. If you have a question for our hosts, just click the contact button on the homepage and send us an email with the details. And don't forget to look for us on Facebook and Twitter and at Detroit's newest podcast network, podcastdetroit.com. Now let's get back to the second hour of the Internet Advisor. Welcome to hour number two of the Internet Advisor. Hi, I'm Foster Brown, the co-host of the program and producer, and this is your hour. What does that mean? That means that you can call 800-859-0957 and you set the scene. Tell us what the problem is you have with your computer, with your router, with whatever it may be, the device that you're dealing with. We're happy to help you, and we've got lots of people here in studio to help you, but you got to call 800-859-0957. Welcome to hour number two of the Internet Advisor. As I said before, this is your hour. And my plea at the beginning of the program is, please don't wait until the middle or the end of the program to give us a call. And that's because very often we can't get to those calls uh, because we begin to a whole bunch of people at the end calling up. And, um, you know, we'd love to get all of you taken care of. And one of the ways you could do that is to start right now. And remember our mantra, the only dumb question is the one you don't ask. And today, by the way, we are loaded for bear here. We have got a lot of expertise in studio with us. Mr. Gary Baker, of course. Ed Rudell and Cal Carson are here, our regular tech team. But in addition to that, our two folks from Flint, uh, Baker College in Flint, are going to be with us in studio. That's Doug Witten, who is a professor there, the director of cyber defense, and computer science and computer information systems. And one of his students, Greg Kemp, who was part of their championship cyber defense team, won state championships two years in a row. Uh, they're going to be here as well for a while to help us answer questions. So you can call in and ask how to hack something? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So what is Tor? Put a grin on his face yeah, quickly. When, how do, yeah, I, what is Tor? Hey, <laughs> that, that dark web thing, how do I get there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying up. to hack my toaster to see if I can get my bread out faster. <laughs> <laughs> we had a couple of listener questions, quite a few this week. One of them was from Henry, and him and I have been, or um, um, Edward. 
was his name. And he basically has an outbuilding, a barn. Oh, yes. And it's 200 feet away from his house, and his wireless signal from his house doesn't get there. His, his internet provider is Frontier, which is a DSL, apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's, he's he tied himself in knots just trying to wonder how he can extend that, that networking out to his pull barn. And so uh, I sent him an article that I found from PC Magazine that listed basically 10 different things you can consider when to extend your wireless signal. Mm-hmm. Some of them is basically getting a, a direct antenna some something as simple as relocating the wireless router in your house to the one end of the building uh, of the house to to another maybe taking it out of the basement but it, it even went a little more elaborate than that is you can you can um, he I mean he could plug a, a, a cable into the back of his um, uh, modem. of his of his modem his mm-hmm. cable modem and uh, and run it out to the pole barn because Ethernet uh, the, the the ten base T networking cable that we're all used to seeing that the blue one yeah the blue um, <laughs> basically will go a uh, hundred meters meters hundred so meters which little, is a little over three hundred feet a little over three hundred yeah, or a repeater right he can get a wireless repeater and stick yep. it in his garage I mean that's mm-hmm. an option but uh, another thing you can do is is you can do um, Ethernet over um, elect- your electrical lines yeah, in the house. Is, it- that I found fascinating. I, I followed up that article that you had there, and there are some. Uh, matter of fact, the equipment is, doesn't cost that much. No, everything it's under a hundred dollars. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. and. Uh, you know, I like the analogy. If you know someone that's an electrician, as far as the network cables, remember when they wire buildings, they have these big old cardboard things. And, and, and if there's less than 300, 500 foot in those spools, uh, they throw them away. They throw yeah. them away yeah. Because right. they're wiring from one end of the building and they're doing all the cubicles and, and right. stuff like that for telephones and networking. So if you know a networking guy, these little spools have, oh, they may only have 200 foot in them. That's perfect for my for my sure, house. Whatever <laughs> you know, so you know. You know, I just thought about something. He said in that email that he is with like Frontier or a cable yes, company. Yes, Frontier. Like that. I think it's yeah. Yeah, I think I just call him up and say, you know something, I want to put a TV out in my pole barn and need a drop. Oh, I wonder if that would cost him anything. Well, maybe a little, but maybe not much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And maybe it depends not if you're doing it yourself. And maybe or? not. Some yeah. people like paying people to do things. I like doing things myself. Uh, I mean, that's it. Either way. Either way, but you also meant there's another thing too. Uh, often people who um, you know put a, a barn like that out there will put a uh, oh he conduit. had a conduit. Yeah, he in the email he said he had a four inch conduit with a stringer. It's a string that actually uh, went from the barn to his house. And, and mm-hmm. if you know anything about running electrical wires, when you pull a cable through a piece of conduit or a PVC or or, or um, mm-hmm. a, a, a underground cable, you always tie another string to it. So when you're pulling your cable right. through or electrical wires or communication or fiber. Yeah. You're pulling a new piece of string with it as well. Yeah, that way you can put it, the, reverse the the process, and uh, put the next one in from the other side. Exactly, exactly. So those are some uh, suggestions for maybe for some of you who uh, are in a situation like that in a rural area where you can extend uh, your uh, your signal out to an outbuilding. I, I love the um, the using the electrical system. Now, so, so why basic- is it that the electrical system? I'm not an electrician. Okay, don't okay. understand the principles involved in it. But why is it that the power doesn't the power itself doesn't interfere with the internet signal um, you know that you're sending down a line? Well, because you're just using the copper wires and you're putting a high frequency over the copper wires, basically. Yeah, so frequency. think of it of as uh, putting an FM signal on your copper wires and and uh, extending it, you know, to the, oh, the house to the other or end. Or you could think of it uh, like it works on the internet itself. You you, you know you get. You, you've got a cable coming in there, that Ethernet cable, but you've got like 
hundreds of protocols on that. You got you know different ports you know uh, you know for different things. Mail mm-hmm. goes on one port, uh, you know uh, the the web is on another port and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So all these multiple things can run on it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Now it's not a physical presence in the sense of what you were looking for, mm-hmm. like electricity and a radio mm-hmm. signal, mm-hmm. but it's basically the same principle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and and think of it this way: you remember in the old days of AM, and it's still the case. We we used to have listeners around the area because WJR is one of the big. What is it? Big six or big eight? Big uh, twelve. Big twelve. The original right. twelve superstation. So people in the area that were around the antenna by WJR, they would actually pick up the signal and hear WJR yes. through their porcelain tub. <laughs> yes. And when they take a shower, <laughs> we had a we had a listener uh, for a station down in um, they were down down river apparently yeah. near one of the towers down there. They were getting the station on their bathtub on the on the faucets. Yes, it was coming through. 50,000 watts and it sounded like a million. (laughs) (laughs) And they were picking it up there. All right, folks, uh, let me repeat that number again and urge you, uh, because I know there are folks out there who are sitting on questions and wondering, should I call? Of course you should. And Foster, we want easy questions, right? (laughs) Yes. The ones we can answer. Uh, We'll start off with that, but we got some extra folks that help us in studio here. Not only... uh, Cal and Ed and Gary and myself, but we also have Doug Witten, who is the director of cyber defense and computer science up at Baker's uh, Baker College's Flint campus, and with him, one of his star students, uh, Greg Kempf, who was a member of the championship cyber defense team. So lots of folks in here that can help you with your problem, and the way you get that problem handled is by calling us at 800 859 Once again, 800 800- Eight five nine zero nine five seven. Give us a ring and we'll get to work on your problem. Thank you so much for joining us here for this second hour of the program. We're having a whole lot of fun just kind of swapping stories in here about uh, help that people have received from the people who are in studio. And uh, we'd like to hand out some of that help this afternoon, or this evening rather. And we can do that simply by having you give us a call with your question at 800 800- Eight five nine zero nine five seven. Again, that's eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. Our lines are open right now. People are once again holding their breath, waiting for the program to get a little further on. And your question is that—that's the one we want to hear from. And right? as they say in Chicago, call early, call often. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the things uh, I was just approached uh, for a, a birthday party last week is our wireless printer stopped working. And uh, or it's working with mine and not working with my wife's. And some of the basic troubleshooting steps for that are just basically go to the manufacturer's website, download the the uh, the manufacturer's installation, and and run through the setup again. Delete the printers you oh. already have defined, and then and then start from scratch again. And and a lot of times when you start from scratch with the printers, it requires you to plug in the USB cable so that your computer can have a communication <laughs> with the uh, external printer. Mm-hmm. And then once that's done, then the, the so- setup software will then communicate with the printer to, to attach it to the wireless network if, if that's one of the options. Mm-hmm. And uh, But basically start from scratch again. You know, I think people kind of get uh, uh, spooked when they when they get rid of their their printer. You know, think, oh my goodness, what have I done here? You know, and you really haven't done anything to your printer. Right. You're just kind of erasing the blackboard and you're starting over again with that installation software. Correct. Perhaps fixing something that got fouled up, you know, in the installation in the first place. Yeah, but a lot of times I've found with these wireless printers is what happens is that the, the router in the printer 
uh, usually experience some sort of power uh, interruption. And then what happens is that the, the, the router wakes back up, but the printer doesn't wake up fast enough. And so the router goes, mm. it's an, handing out addresses and says, hey, you take this and you take this and you take this. And the printer comes back by and says, hey, I was 13. Well, I'm sorry, 13 was taken. You can be 14 now. And then I go to my printer, I mean my computer, and I want to print. And I've been pointing to 13. Now it's 14 and it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't know that. <laughs> it's 14. You have to go back in and tell it. Adjust right. It again. And a lot no. of the manufacturers do now is that is the, they include the software so that it goes out there and sniffs over the network and, and, and then finds out what the address is and then reassigns it. Yes, Doug. Yeah, in the real world, what you do is set up a static. And, that, and that's one of the ones that you'd actually set up a static address. And I, I'm an advocate. I try that all the time yep. and uh, for people. And yes, exactly. I, I prefer to set up statics rather than relying on your computer right. or the driver software to every time your computer comes up to go out there and sniff and, and listen for the printer and you know right. that takes up resources it slows down the startup of your computer it slows down the networking yeah and, but yeah. another thing that you can do too is make sure that your router and your printer if it's not a laser printer it's on the ups unit so therefore if they do have a power situation they won't fall and they'll continue to talk anyway yep yeah. Yeah. so you know a lot of people have the little printout uh the requirements or whatever and it has the ip on there if it, you don't set it as a static address you're right it just keeps changing Right. It'll, the DHCP will dole out a new one. Doug, tell, hang on a second, and let's back up a second. When you're talking about uh, the, the little printout that we have with mm-hmm. the IP address on it, right. that's the one that, when, is that the test page sometimes? Yeah, test or page. your configuration page. Or the right. configuration page, mm-hmm. and it says IP, right? Exactly. Now, when you say make that a static address, how do you do that? What does that mean? Well, there, there's a way of setting it so that you're not a DHCP or a dynamic host control protocol, mm-hmm. which dulls out the IP addresses once the router and everything sees it. If you set it to static, there's there's a way to set uh, inside the configuration of the printer itself. Okay. So I'm going to give it this, in other words, I would give it this address each and every time. Mm-hmm. In, and in, that's what you were talking about before, right? Yeah, the manufacturers really don't do that because that's a lot of work for home users to set up. Mm-hmm. We as IT professionals will do that because we know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the manufacturers, they just, here, just do this, run our software, right. and go ahead. But when you're in the corporate environment, you, you yeah, you do static addresses. But the advantage, it sounds like, there, there are advantages for the home users to do this. Am I right, Doug? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, wh- but, and what is the main advantage to that? Well, you wouldn't have to go out and find out your your the, your router would automatically know where it's at. It would it would also go out and pull if it's up or not. It would know that. It it wouldn't if it the the IP address has changed. And what happens? Most routers are um, start at one hundred mm-hmm. as an example. So I always give my printers dot fifty as the last octet for the address because my router's never going to get out and give out an address of. Anything, okay. you know, it's always going to start at 100 and then work its way up. Right. It's 50 safe. So, okay. Or to put it in layman's terms, <laughs> instead of having an address that changes, like you're staying in Motel 6 today and then two weeks later you're going to be in Red Roof Inn, mm-hmm. this way you actually buy a, re- a residence and that address stays that way all the time right. mm-hmm. until right. you move. And you're liable to have less problems then that are involved yeah. in that. Yeah, this is all. This yeah. is all great, and it is a, it is the preferred method that a lot of IT people do. But you have different manufacturers of printers, and every printer you you set the static IP slightly different. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it can be it could be hairy for home users. And I thought it was the other way around. Way. I thought you actually set the static IP in the router, not in the printer. In the printer, no. Okay. You, well, in the router, you can actually set up a reservation. Mm-hmm. 
So you can reserve, a, you yeah, can reserve, reserve an address. Anything. And that's what I've done with my most recent Linksys printers is that whenever it sees this device, this printer, give it this address. I want it to have this address every time it powers up. And, and that works out great. I have no reservations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, so. Here's the number again. You got a reservation, folks. If you want to get some advice, you can hear the kind of advice that's being doled out here today by some very expert people. 800-859-0957 is the phone number. And uh, Danielle, who is our expert engineer, thank you very much for standing by. She is going to be answering phones and is looking forward to talking to you again. 800-859-0957. And I know for the last five minutes, we've done a ton of geek speak, and it probably was crazy <laughs> as heck. But you know what I found out, and and, and and I'm not trying to put us out of business or anything like that, but all the stuff that we talked about on how to set up a printer like that, you can go and search on YouTube. Yep. And you can find videos, <laughs> look at multiple videos, because there are some people out there that are really good at what they're doing, and there are some people out there that are selling snake oil. But look at a number of different videos and stuff on YouTube, learn how to do it. You'd be surprised. You have more capabilities as a computer user than you give yourself credit for. And mm. it's just a matter of knowledge giving you the ability to do it. And there are often a number of different kinds of solutions that are offered on YouTube. And Ed, you've said this before, that... Um, uh, you can get some, you know, little teenager who wants to, you know, talk forever about something. Or you can get somebody who is uh, maybe, let's say, a little bit more articulate in the way yes. that they communicate. Look through the different, they may like three or four answers that are there. Have you found that out, Doug, in terms oh, of... Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I think that people are um, are often able to find uh, somebody who speaks their language. And, mm -hmm. Hey, we do have somebody here. Let's see. Let's talk to Paul from Lake Orion is with us. Welcome to Paul, to the Internet Advisor. How can we help you? Yeah, my problem is my Internet is in the middle of my house. I got, I got one of those basement living rooms where you walk down from the kitchen. Yeah. And it's got block wall. Yep. And now my two TVs upstairs in the bedroom, they have built-in Wi-Fi in the TV my TV downstairs doesn't, but I have a Blu-ray DVD. I have, I don't know if I can tell you what kind of company I go through. No, well, you mean your your service provider? Yeah, what do you have in terms of... Uh... I have AT&T. Okay, AT&T. Wireless. Mm -hmm. And now the TV downstairs, for some reason, at 6 o'clock and on, it seems like, It'll, it'll shut my program down, and it'll just show loading on there. Ah. Like it's trying to reboot. Yeah, it's buffering. But but the the TVs upstairs, I never have any problems with that. And, hmm. the, and the modem is closer to the one downstairs. That's interesting. Well, that is interesting, yeah. Now, did you have to attach a, a receiver box to that television down there to talk to that modem? I got a Blu-ray DVD for DVD. Oh, and then and the Blu-ray actually has the the Wi-Fi the, the, the wi yeah. and the applications for Netflix or whatever for streaming. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. And it's having difficulty with your wireless network. So, um, one of the things I could think of is most a lot of wireless routers at home ha provide multiple frequencies. You can you can attach oh, to the right, two point yeah. four, right. or you can or attach five. to the five gigahertz mm -hmm. channel. So you might want to find out which wireless channels you're actually attaching to. What I did on my home is I named mine, you know, Ed or, you know, whatever, or home, 5 gigahertz, home, 2.4 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And and because some devices I have um, only can attach a 2.4 gigahertz oh. at the, at the, because they're older devices. Oh, yeah, that's right. 
Okay. Or, or, oh, or, or it could be. I mean, or, that's just a first thought. Or it mm-hmm. could be that case where at, uh, you say this happens in the evening every day? Yeah. Around 6 o'clock, he said. Yeah. Does, does yeah. anyone else live in the house with you? Yeah. Uh, do they, uh, what type of uh, cell phone do they have? Um, just, uh, oh, they just got, they got smartphones. Yeah. Uh, are they older smartphones or newer smartphones? Newer. Okay. Newer than yours? Oh, yeah, I got Mine ain't even a smartphone. <laughs> uh, he's got, ah, uh, no, he's got the old one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't and, get that good stuff. The women microwave. get the good stuff. <laughs> <Say> what, <huh? laughs> he says the women get the good stuff. Yeah, of course. And the yeah, reason like, why, hey, the it's reason, like my kids. It's the old rule. Ain't mama happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, one of the reasons why I was asking that is that if you happen to have uh, older devices in your house, your network is going to slow down to the oldest device. Right. Yeah. And so, therefore, I was thinking that at 6 o'clock, somebody came home, they have an older phone or something like yours, their Wi-Fi is turned on, and it's slowing the network down in the basement where that television is, and that's the reason why you're getting that problem. Hey, Paul, hang on the line. We're going to see if we can uh, dig around a little bit more and have some other answers for you, okay? So okay, hold the phone. Fine. We'll get right back to you. And by the way, as you can hear, there's room for you here at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800 800- 8590WJR if you prefer typing it in that way. <laughs> we'll be back to take your calls in just a moment. Let me just remind you, by the way, that uh, as of Sunday night, uh, I post the entire program, our blog, our pardon me, our podcast, which is the two hours of the show. I post that, and you can go to internetadvisor.net and uh, either download it there to listen at your leisure later on. Or you can uh, subscribe to uh, the Internet Advisor by going to iTunes. Uh, you also find us on the podcastdetroit.net, uh, uh, com network. That's podcastdetroit.com network. Uh, right now, however, our phone number is 800-859-0957. We have lines open. No need to wait to, to send us an email later on this week. And I know we'll, uh, typically after the show is over, we get a bunch of emails that come in. And uh, you could get some answers right now with the help of our two folks who are in studio with us from Baker College, Flint Campus. And that's Doug Witten, who is the Director of Cyber Defense and Computer Science up there. And also uh, Greg Kempf, who's with us. Greg is a student and a member of their cyber defense team, which has won back-to-back championships on the state level. So uh, let's go back out to uh, Paul from Lake Orion. Paul, thanks for being with us. Um, yep. some points that you guys want to make, Greg, you were talking about some things that can affect the performance yeah. of routers. Um, so if you're on the 2.4 gigahertz frequency, like we said, um, things like, uh, uh, microwaves and cordless phones can interfere with that. So, um, <laughs> if you could check, uh, a lot of the times you can find out what frequency the device supports by just Googling the model number. Mm. And um, if you find out that it is on 2.4 gigahertz, maybe you'll want to upgrade to a 5 gigahertz model. Mm -hmm. Or hardwire it, yeah. Or or the other thing, because I'm a a big believer in this, if this is happening on a regular basis with a device hooked up to AT&T's equipment, you should call AT&T, make an appointment to have them come out about the time that that normally happens and have them resolve that issue because you're paying a monthly fee for a service. That's right. You might as well have it work. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I want to ask you, is that, is 
is this statement very true that because things like that happen at night because more people are home using the satellite services in the sky? That that's different than the issue. Yeah, the way that came started out was for cable use because you're on a wire and you're on a segment of wire with cable. The more people that are hitting that piece of wire, will slow it. Could theoretically slow it. Yeah, like it an down. entire subdivision yeah. okay. could slow down. Mm-hmm. But from access. a satellite standpoint, that doesn't happen because mm-hmm. you have a one-on-one relationship with the satellite. And it's designed to send a signal down to millions of people, mm-hmm. and it spreads that load out. So in the case of if you're getting it from a satellite, it's not an issue. If it's coming across a wire, then yes, that's a possibility. And, and plus, you said the TVs upstairs were not experiencing the slowness yeah. while the one no. downstairs was. Yeah. So one of the things you could do, uh, I was looking at this, I, th- I think there's a way that you can... Um, Find out the modem that you have, your AT&T modem, and you could find out how many devices are attached to it. So magically, you, you could have this brought up on your PC, and then you can access your wireless router at home from AT&T, and you could do, you, it'll show a device list. That's one of the few things that AT&T will allow you to view on your device. They don't let you change the configuration, but they'll show you how many devices. Yeah. And wouldn't you know that's when your daughter comes home with her old handheld gaming oh, yeah. system. Yeah. Oh, I got you, yeah. <laughs> or or, or yeah. phone and is streaming Netflix yeah. on her phone, and then that could be interfering with your Cal, one, one last thing, and then we have uh, Elaine from Bloomfield, when I got to. Do you have a password on that system? Yes, there okay. is password. Good, on because that, yeah. just in case your 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 signal is bleeding over to the next door neighbor and they're using your bandwidth <laughs> when they come home in the evening. No, you know that sort no, of thing. Yeah, now there's a password, and we've had uh, AT and T come out and give us a new box after a storm and that too. So have uh, them have them come out at the time when you have that problem. Yeah, and then let them see what the real thing is because maybe it's something they have to tweak in the box. Or maybe they can suggest something you can do in the house to be able to make that work. Okay, Paul, thanks so much. I hope we've given you some some help here with the different solutions that we've been offering. Again, our number is 800-859-0957. Lots of advice to hand out here. Elaine from Bloomfield, welcome to the Internet Advisor. How are you? I'm great. I'm glad I'm talking to you. Very good. Um, turn the computer on today, uh, desktop, and uh, normally you would get a... Uh, area where you enter in your password mm-hmm. didn't show, and then um, mm. my email icons were not on there. I had all kinds of icons that I had never ever installed or mm. used. So I called my um, uh, service people, yeah. and they went through it and said I had a system corruption. So, okay. Um, Let me back up for just a second, Elaine. Um, first of all, if you can, are you anywhere close to your radio? Yeah, shut it off. Yeah, just turn it down because it'll be distracting you with okay. the delay, okay? Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, Elaine, okay. So it was a desktop computer. Desktop she computer. powers it up, didn't get the username and password, um, but she gets some sort of desktop, but all the icons are weird. Now, yeah. how old is the computer? I would say about four years old. Okay. Elaine, when you say you call your service people, who are you talking about? Geek Squad. Okay, this is Geek Squad you're calling. You're not... All right. Because the reason I asked that question is I would be afraid if you had been um, 
talked into using some sort of service that no, really no. wasn't a legitimate one. But you, okay, you okay, got a legitimate so, service. Okay, so what happened after you spoke to them? And- well, then they took over remotely, and they came up with this thing that my system was corrupted. Okay, so they were still able to remotely access your computer. Yep. Okay, go ahead. So then uh, they said, well, I have to take it in for service. How, uh, and at that point, they said the only thing I could do that they could not control was to do um, uh, a system restore. Mm. Well, the last time we used a computer was yesterday afternoon, and I did a system restore, and it, couldn't, it wouldn't restore. Well, how about restoring back to earlier dates? I mean, sometimes you have to go restore to Friday, to Thursday, or Wednesday. Uh-huh. And uh, you might have to, you know, until you find a restore point. And w- what it sounds like is you have a corrupt user profile. So a portion of the hard drive is damaged or corrupted. What and, would cause that? Well, uh, did you kick the computer? No. <laughs> uh, when the, see, you would have, but you have a, probably have a solid-state hard drive. Right, so it's a mechanical. Div- I'm sorry, you you probably do not have a solid state hard right. drive. So you have a mechanical hard drive, and um, and and it's possible that part of the hard drive is there's an air, there's a damaged area on there, and that area happened to contain either where your da- your user data was or where Windows uh, stores your 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 user profile. It gets kind of complicated. Yeah. But um, the other thing, did, did they have you do um, a, a like a check your disk drive for errors? Because that's the first thing I would have done. I would have checked your disk drive for errors by going into my computer. Are you running Windows 7 on here or Windows 10? Thank you. I was going to get to that point where I was going to ask you, is it, what operating system is, is she Windows running? Windows 8. And eight. then did she get pushed some sort of update that may have threw everything off? It may not be anything physically uh, wrong with the device. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, um, Doug, Elaine, uh, Elaine, you said Windows 8? Yes. So yeah, how would yeah. you guys address this? If, if, if someone was to take this to your fix-it center... Well, what would you do? Greg? Well, first we'd see if you have any restore points available that would work. Um, after, of course, taking a backup of any of your data that we can get. Right. Well, so the first thing you would do is you would probably hook up an external device, yep. use Explorer, and then drag, um, go to my computer, the C drive, the users, and then find Elaine's user folder, and then start dragging off her documents, her my documents, her my pictures, her my videos, my favorites, Drag those all to the external device. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I was just them. para. I was just elaborating. Yep. Essentially, and, anything that you can't re-download, we would back, make point. a backup and, of, so we can and, copy it back. And the reason why we're doing this is that a lot of us are assuming that we're having a disk corruption now, and the drive could last for another three years, or could last for another three minutes. Correct. Right? Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so we don't. I mean, when all of a sudden something changes, it's probably a file corruption of some type. Virus, file, file corruption. Um, um, the, your hard drive could be failing. So if you notice the first thing they said, let's save the data yeah, and then work on the system restore. Yeah. So yeah. that was an excellent well, point. Thank I would, you. I would take it over to, um, you know, Best Buy. Yeah, um, to, the, to, the, to the Geek Squad. That's the people that you okay, trust. Well, so what's the next step after the system restore? Uh, if that does not work, then we will probably take all of the information that we backed up, um, clean install Windows, um, either a newer version or... Uh, re- just restore it and use the same product key and copy that information back and basically start fresh. Right, because what a lot of people don't realize is with Windows 8, you have what's known as a the actual product key is stored 
in the BIOS. Mm -hmm. So you can actually go to Microsoft's website, download Windows 8.1, and put it on a flash drive or a CD, and you can rebuild your computer and completely erase the hard drive and reload Windows 8.1. I'm not computer savvy. Well, this is just for the general audience. And and then reload your data. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So basically, um, it's repairable. It may be. I think what it is is that you're at this particular point, so let's talk about it from a perspective that you are at so that you can feel more comfortable about it. You have an error that exists on the computer. It's not functioning properly. They looked at it, and they found that it was something not quite right with it, and they think they need to reload the operating system. But before they do that, they need to preserve all the things that you've created, the pictures, Mm -hmm. the memories, the documents, and everything off the computer. Once they preserve all those things, then they're going to go ahead and reload the operating system back onto the computer and get you going again, and then put your data back. If the computer doesn't function properly after doing that, then they know there's probably something else wrong and probably a hardware situation, and then they'll approach that problem. But until they do these steps, they won't know for sure. Right, right. Well, over, I, I would say um, I had gotten those foreign phone calls uh, a number of times, mm-hmm. and I basically just hung up on them and shut oh, the good. computer down. Good. Okay. Could they have done anything to my computer? Not if no. you did not allow them access. Yeah. No, I to never it. allowed them. Good anything. for you, now, Elaine. Good for you. <laughs> the last thing I'm going to say to you, Elaine, is this: Your computer's four years old. If you go into Best Buy or any computer store, and after you talk with them before they start doing anything, they give you an estimate and it says it's going to be four or $500 to fix no. this machine. It's better to go buy a new buy one a than one. it is to yeah, fix that this particular one. Point. You can still recover your, your data, yeah, but you're yeah. better off buying. All right, Elaine. Why don't you hang on the line, okay? All right, thank we'll you. We'll work in just a minute. Uh, we're going to wrap things up here. We have time. We have about 15 minutes more for your phone call, so... Uh, Don't be bashful. Remember, the only dumb question is the one you don't ask. And here's the number again, 800-859-0957. I'd like to thank Danielle Mason, our engineer, who is doing a great job, double duty. Not only our engineer, but she's also our producer answering phone calls. And there is lines open yet for your call at 800-859-0957. Don't forget, Sunday night. Go to internetadvisor.net. The whole podcast will be there for you, along with any other kind of links that we've developed during the show. All right. uh, By the way, just a a thank you again to uh, Doug Whitten, the Director of Cyber Defense, Computer Science, and Computer Information at Baker College Flint. Thanks so much, Doug, for being here with us. It's an honor. And uh, also Greg Kemp, who's been, uh, he's a member of the Cyber Defense team there that's won two national, uh, pardon me, two state championships back-to-back. Thank you for being here as well. It's kind of like Batman and Robin, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) All right, listen, I want to go back to Elaine quickly. We've got a couple of calls coming in, and typically right at the end of the show, all sorts of calls starting up. But, Elaine, I want to go back to you for a couple of comments. Uh, Doug, you had one thought that you want to share, and then, Greg, you had something. Yeah, real quick, there could be a couple of things. Obviously, it's either hardware or software, but if, if there's an update that was happening and that died in the middle of it, so your operating system is neither completely patched or back up. That's one possibility. The other possibility is you were mentioning that you were getting uh, some some phone calls or pop-ups that were on your on your screen. Even if you click like cancel, you can program those buttons to do anything. Right? So the only way to get out of those is either shut your computer down and don't click anything, right? Or go to your task manager 
right? And 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 look for whatever for whatever browser that you got. If it's Internet Explorer, you can go kill all those. In other words, you wouldn't be actually clicking no on the pop up that actually comes up. Yeah, that's just. A, right. I wanted Doug to make that point for you, Elaine, and for everybody else out there that when the bad guys you know jump on board and try to shut things down. Uh, or to take over your machine, you got to be careful because exactly. clicking the X could execute all sorts of stuff. Yeah, you can write that to do anything. Yeah, to absolutely do anything. Now, Greg, you had one other thing uh, for Elaine before we uh, move on to a couple of people. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I'd like to know what exactly you're seeing on your screen. You said you had a bunch of icons that came up that you hadn't been seeing before. Can you give us some examples of those? Can you hear uh, Elaine? Pardon? Hi, he was asking you, what were some of the icons that appeared on the screen? Well, they weren't recognizable because was, they were icons that I had never used. Okay. Had fish, connect to music. Um, I don't recall the others. Okay. But okay. the other thing is that about an hour later after uh, we tried to do a system restore, my mm-hmm. husband went in there and the screen was black. It wouldn't even go on. Okay. Hmm. You said there was an icon with fish and, fish yeah. and That's connected almost, music. That almost sounds to me like you're either you've got a, a malware infection yeah. or you're, I don't know what brand it is, but a lot of the times there will be a restore partition that has the mm-hmm. like the factory settings on it. Maybe a button got bumped and you it restored to those yeah. settings. Well, I don't use that computer. My husband okay. does, okay. and I don't know what he did. <laughs> but, so it sounds like he's taking it to Best Buy. Yeah. <laughs> Honey, it's time for you to visit Best Buy. <laughs> All right, Elaine, I'm going to move on because we have a couple of other people who want to get on the air, okay? Thanks so much. Thank you. I'm so hope we, in the midst of all of that, we've given you something. Let us know how that works out. Yes, please. And you can get hold of us by uh, going to the Contact Us button on our homepage at internetadvisor.net. All right. I want to go to uh, Mike in Royal Oak. Welcome to the Internet Advisor. We're close to the end. What can we help you with quickly? Suppose I take all the uh, data, or the you know my own personal stuff, off the hard drive and put it on a U- USB flash drive. Yes. And if there's a virus on any of that stuff... How can I get it off the flash drive later on? Well, if you have up-to-date antivirus software on your computer right now, if you attempt to copy that data from your computer to the external flash drive, your antivirus is going to kick in there and say, wait a second, there's a virus here, okay? If it knows about that virus, as an example. But what if it's not up-to-date and it's old? Well, then if you try to access it from a, a modern computer with updated antivirus and you plug it in there and you try dragging those documents to the new computer and it has up-to-date antivirus, it's going to say the same thing. Wait a second. There's a virus on here. We're not copying this data. So, well, I would- so, so anytime that there's data going in and out of the computer, whether or not that's through the, the internet or browser or from a, an external flash drive, that's the purpose of your antivirus software is to actually monitor and scan all that, that, all that data or those, those documents or pictures or files or programs. Okay. Is there any way to completely erase whatever you put on a USB uh yeah, I, uh, I have a 16-ounce hammer at home. <laughs> That's what I use. Okay. Can you mail it? <laughs> Get your own. <laughs> if I want to completely erase what's on the... Uh, yeah, and I said the same thing with hard drives. But now they have shredders for hard drives. But if you really want to make sure that something is irretrievable, 
I, I you either use a, a, the the twelve pound sledge or a sixteen ounce hammer. Yeah. Sometimes you want to put it in a cardboard box because it'll smash and all right. the pieces go all over the place. <laughs> uh, as that happened to use it again, you know, for your no. If you no, want to use it again, no. traditionally what I have been using. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. In, in, instead of physical force, uh, you can go and go to. Uh, Look at, look at yeah look on the internet at google for derricks and that's spelled d a r i k s boot and nuke and and what you can do is you can download that program either to a usb stick or you can make a cd from it or what about copying a movie on it completely and then, well, and then I, I, reformatting I like, and then copying a movie again on it and that's reformatting? That's doing the same thing. That's See, the same I, I thing. I like to run Derek's, and I'll tell you the reason why. If you copy a movie, you have to make sure that movie is going to fill the entire drive end to end. And or so, pretty darn close, anyway. Yeah, yeah. and if it and, doesn't, you know, the data he may not want to get out may be in that spot where it doesn't write. Yep. Or if you use something like Derek, it's going to write the entire drive, and it's going to write it 32 times, or it can write it to the Department of Defense standards, whatever way you want to go. Will you, will you spell that again? Derek, D-A-R-I-K-S, and the product is called Boot, B-O-T, B-O-O-T, the letter N as in Nancy, and then Nuke. N U K E. How much is that? Free. Absolutely. Can you put that on first before you use the USB? No, it's a it's a little utility that you run that says, "Do you wish to use this utility?" and then specify what device you want to run it against, and and then you select your USB drive or an external hard drive, and it actually runs a program that writes a bunch of zeros and ones uh, randomly to the external device. Completely filling it so that yep. anything that's there. Yes, Correct. and it can exactly. do it multiple times. If you wanted to fill it thirty-two, write it all thirty-two times, write it all thirty-two times, over and over and over again, until you can't read from that again, it can do that for yeah, you. How does it know when to stop? When you tell it. Yeah, there you go. Well, the thing is, you got to be careful when you have a flash drive. Flash drives usually only have ten thousand, a hundred thousand writes to it. So Derek's boot nuke was something that was. Um, for mechanical drives. It was for mechanical drives. But nowadays, we have flash drives, which, are, you know, when you write to them, it's, it's 10,000 times or 100,000 times. If you let this thing run overnight, you're going you're gonna to have a dead USB drive the next morning because you've let it run 200,000 read yeah. writes. You, you can tell it to run uh, to the Department of Defense standards, which I think is a 32-pass write, <laughs> and that'll be fine. You, and you, you'll be just So fine. Derek's boot and nuke is dban.org. D-B-A-N dot So Derek O-R-G. Boot and Nuke, right? You know. All right. Now, we... keep in mind that will wipe all of the files on the drive. Yeah. Yep. And you yep. will not be able to recover them. All right. And that, then that's the important point. Folks, That, that the voice you just heard there is Greg Kempf, uh, student at uh, Flint, campus yep. of Baker College. Thank you so much for being with us. Best of luck to you with the team as you go on. And also thanks so much, Doug Witten, Director of Cyber Defense and Computer Science up there in Flint at the Baker College. It was an honor being here. Had Thank you. Delightful having you, both, you guys there. Uh, I want uh, Dan and Basim, you hang on. We're going to get to you after the program. And for the rest of you, you can get hold of us with the Contact Us button at the internetadvisor.net site. Daniel, thank you again for being our engineer, and the rest of you, have a great week. You've been listening to the Internet Advisor Show.
Detroit's longest-running, locally-produced computer show, with Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and our team of experts. For more information about our weekly show, to ask a question of our experts, or find the show notes for this podcast, visit internetadvisor.net. And look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to check the other great podcasts available on this podcastdetroit.com network. Thank you for listening.